This is Father Aaron with another podcast. There are a good number of people who call themselves good Christians and yet do not associate themselves with any form of religion. One of my worries during this quarantine is especially that since the faithful have been distanced from the church for so long, that when the quarantine is lifted, they will no longer see why they should be associated with any particular religion. Christianity, of course, is founded upon a divine revelation that God himself that God revealed himself, in time, in the person of Jesus Christ, that is, the second person of the most blessed trinity. Now, any sort of divine revelation which survives past the persons who immediately received it has to be carried out in one of two possibilities. Either it is recorded in some book or manuscript, or it is entrusted to a body of teachers who go on teaching the same revelation from each generation to the next. If we were to look through the history of human society, we would find many such religions of a book. Consider Mormonism, for example. Mormonism was founded by a young American by the name of Joseph Smith, who claimed to have found a book made entirely of thin plates of of gold hidden in a hill near his home. The book, he claimed, was written in a form of Egyptian language, which no one had ever heard of and told the story of the colonization of America immediately following the destruction of the Tower of Babel. This is recorded in the Book of Mormon, which is said to be a translation of these golden pages which Joseph Smith dictated through a curtain to his friends before an angel miraculously took the golden pages away before anyone else had a chance to see them. Christianity, though it may surprise you, has never been a religion of a book. Jesus Christ did not dictate a text to his apostles before his ascension. He could have, but he didn't. He could have commanded the apostles to keep a diary of everything they witnessed him do as they went about, but he didn't. Instead, he left them a witness, 40 days of a witness after his resurrection, for them to digest all that had happened, and then commanded them not to write, but to preach Go forth into all nations and tell the good news, he said. That, after all, is what the word gospel really means, good news. Jesus never commanded his apostles to literally preach the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Our English language confuses that point. He simply commanded them to go out preaching the good news that they had witnessed. And that is what the apostles did. They went into all the regions that they could and told the story of Jesus to everyone who would listen and to some who would not. It was only when 
the living memory of Jesus began to fade, that some of the apostles and other such witnesses sat down to record what they witnessed for the sake of carrying on this message. And this, after several centuries of reworking, is what we now call the New Testament. So our Lord did not see fit to leave behind a book for our consideration. There were no golden tablets left for us to translate after the ascension. Rather, he left behind a body of people, a body which he often called his assembly or congregation, a word which in Greek is rendered ekklesia, which we often translate as church. It was to the church that Jesus Christ entrusted his good news, his gospel, to be passed down unchanged from one generation to the next. We see that in the Acts of the Apostles this morning. St. Peter stands up to preach, and when he speaks, St. Luke tells us that the crowd was cut to the heart. Peter is proclaiming the good news of Christ with the same compelling authority of Christ himself. And the church wishes to underscore this point this morning by giving us a second reading from the letter of Peter, text he wrote a decade or so after the sermon given in Acts. Peter's ministry as teacher is being carried out years after Christ ascends. And Peter is able to proclaim this message on his own authority, not with a book in hand or reading from a golden tablet. Peter has been entrusted with the mysteries of God, and it is Peter's duty to personally hand on those mysteries to the faithful. Sacred Scripture is the witness to apostolic preaching. The preaching came first, and then the written text. Both possess equal weight, because they have the same source. But to hold one without the other is to reject half of the entire body of a revealed truth that God has given to his faithful in Jesus Christ. In the Catholic religion, we refer to this as the two fonts of revelation, tradition and scripture. Just as all of us grew up and learned our family traditions, or how to observe holidays, or how to sing the birthday song by simply experiencing all of these things, The church has for millennia handed on the faith from one generation to the next by natural tradition, particularly in the way she worships. When we speak theologically of the church's authority to authentically hand on the revelation of Jesus Christ, we call it the magisterium, that is, the teaching authority of the church given to her by Jesus Christ. And the church entrusts that magisterium with her pastors, with her bishops and her priests. And this brings us to the gospel. Jesus says, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever does not enter a sheepfold through the gate, but climbs over elsewhere, is a thief and a robber. Christ explains that anyone who wishes to be part of the sheepfold, a part of the assembly which is his church, has to enter by the gate. They have to enter through truth, through an experience of the accepted and revealed truth of Jesus Christ, which has been given to the church. Christ accepted this, Excuse me, Christ explains this by further saying that he is the gate. When we attempt to circumvent this authority that Christ has left his church and has lived out through the magisterium, we do not truly become part of his sheepfold. Rather, we enter as thieves and robbers, that is, as people who do not truly possess the fullness of the truth. In this way, Christ explains that membership in his church requires more than simply wishing to be a part of it, or to declare that we have faith in Christ. One must enter through the gate. That is, you must accept the fullness of what Christ has left us for, left for us in the body of his church through both scripture 
and tradition. What we learn from our Lord's analogy of the Good Shepherd is precisely that he intends to put us under one shepherd as part of his sheepfold. He intends us to incorporate ourselves into a particular body which he associates with himself into his church. And this is an essential point of the Catholic faith. A lot of times we go about thinking about Christianity as a whole, and we imagine that Catholicism is not so much different from other Christian groups, just that we have those sticking points like the Pope and indulgences. But really those are side issues. The bigger, more fundamental issue is this, that Jesus Christ really intended that we be part of something greater than ourselves, a church, which he entrusted with his own teaching authority, so that she may lead us into all truth. G.K. Chesterton said, A church, a Catholic, is a person who has plucked up enough courage to face the incredible and inconceivable idea that something else may be wiser than his. Now in a few moments we will, as we do every week, recite the creed. If you have been listening to my daily masses lately, we have been breaking down the creed into little bits over the past few weeks. I won't rehearse all of that now, but I will point out how the last section begins. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Now, of course, you were taught that this is a common Christian creed, and it is. If you went over to the Episcopalian church or to the Methodist church or an Orthodox church, they are all going to say those words. But of course, when we say those words, we're speaking about a particular body, a church that is one, that is unified under a single head, a church that is holy, that is given the same divine life that God himself has, a church that is Catholic, that is universally spreading to all reaches of the globe, and a church that is apostolic, that is founded and carried on by the apostles themselves and their successors. When you consider all of those attributes, there is only one body which meets these requirements, and that is the Catholic faith, which for 2,000 years has handed down an unbroken tradition of doctrine and worship, and preserved unbroken a canon of scripture which we now know so well that we take it for granted. And so we can look at all the wounds of the church with sorrow, but still, when we step back and consider the whole picture, it is undeniable that it is sustained by the hand of God, or else it would fail. Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, and will come in and go out to find pasture. Alleluia. Christ is risen.